the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What's going on, everybody? Another Algatulo Craft Beer cast on AM 970, The Answer. Got a great show for you tonight. A little love gun from Kiss. Yeah, their final shows at Madison Square Garden were this past weekend. And uh, I know people were paying like a gazillion dollars to see them. For me, Kiss is probably one of the most basic rock bands out there. Once you've seen them once, you've seen them a thousand times. It's the same show. It's the same set. It's the same everything. Uh, And I was a fan as a kid. Uh, you know, uh, but just, yeah, no, but again, I saw them a bunch of times in my life. There's no way I was seeing them again, especially, uh, at that ridiculous amount of money that they were charging for tickets at Madison square garden. Now coming up in 10 minutes and for two segments, John Flatung and Matt Potensky from coastal brew works will join me. An interview that I taped back on Black Friday uh, from Alternate Ending Brewing. They have a, a couple of new collab releases to chat about. We'll talk about the progress of the brewery build-out itself, uh, along with some other things, uh, in a great conversation in two parts that happens in 10 minutes from now. But let us dive into the thing that was big that happened this week that we actually didn't get a chance to talk about last Friday because it didn't happen. Uh, Governor Murphy finally uh, conditionally vetoed the beer bill. Um so he, uh, a- a- according to Politico here, I'm, I'm quoting, uh, a top agenda item of Governor Murphy's uh, drastically overhauling New Jersey's liquor licensing system, getting scaled back to uh, just as the lame duck legislative session begins in earnest. Following discussion over the last few days with the legislature, it was actually more than that. The governor conditionally vetoed legis- legislation this past Monday that he sat on for five months um, that would lift restrictions on events and food offerings for breweries and distilleries, but the governor's conditional veto did not include his most ambitious goal, gradually eliminating caps on how many liquor licenses towns can issue, currently set at one license per 3,000 residents. In fact, lifting the caps not expected to emerge again during the lame duck session, according to three officials with knowledge of the negotiations between the governor and legislature, but who were granted anonymity in advance of the veto. Uh, it boils down to this. Um, Governor Murphy wanted all of these things changed by the end of the year. He knew he wasn't going to get it in six weeks. Now about five and a half uh, at best, or less than that, almost just about a month. Um, He wasn't going to get it, so he said, okay, so give me the pocket licenses uh, in towns. If they're not being used, then they need to be reissued again or resold uh, to consumers who want to buy them and can uh, have a liquor license. Again, uh, Senator Vin Gopal, who sponsored the initial bill, said this is this should not be a part of this legislation for the breweries. There are a number of people, Declan O'Scanlan has said it as well, who said this is not, we, we passed this bill, he should have signed it, there's no reason why he's doing this. He's doing it because he's trying to push his agenda. 
The problem is going to be the fact that his wife is running for Senate. He thinks it's a fait accompli that she's going to win, and it might well be. But he's not going to get what he wants from the legislature every single time. They're going to pick and choose their battles. This one may be the one where they pick and choose and choose not to listen to the governor's recommendations and say, no, we're not going to do that. Now, can they pass it with a two-thirds vote? I believe they can. But, again, there are other more important things. I could be wrong on that last point. But there are more important things in the legislature to be worrying about right now than this bill, which is why the governor should have signed it as is back in June to put the liquor license, any form of the liquor license, in with the beer bill is not fair to the breweries. I will have more to chat about on this on next week's program, but we're pressed for time here. I could go on for for hours about this, about how idiotic the governor is on this point. Moving along, uh, Tap New York, uh, their 25th year of the state's greatest beer festival, Tap New York Craft Beer and Music Festival, will be back at Woodstock next year. It is Saturday, May 18th. It is one session now, 2 to 7 p.m. You can get in at 1 o'clock for the VIP entry. Gives you more time to sample, dance, and delight on the Bethel Woods campus. Tickets are on sale now, BethelWoodsCenter.org slash TapNY. The only problem that I have with this, 2 to 7 sounds like a long time to drink. Apparently, they stop pouring beer at 5 o'clock, so, which is actually smart. It gives you time to sober up. also gives you time to bring a designated driver or take a Lyft or an Uber. Um, but the two-hour, you know, sort of afterwards is kind of interesting. So they're only going to be pouring, I think, for four hours. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I believe that's the same day as the Beer, Bacon, Barbecue, so I won't be able to make it. It's a fun event, uh, but now that they're doing just one session instead of over two days, they're doing it in one day, I think it's a smart thing to do. Again, it's a rain or shine event. The other big story that happened a couple of weeks ago, Treehouse Brewing. Um, Apparently, two guys who are suing right now, Treehouse, Eric Granger, uh, he's a 2% uh, shareholder, um, or actually, there's one person. Eric Granger, he's a 2% shareholder uh, in the wildly successful business of Treehouse, filed a complaint on November 15th against majority shareholders Nathan Lanier and Damon Goudreau. Um, he is basically saying that they paid themselves excessive salaries in the lawsuit, surreptitiously invested in $16 million in real estate holdings, and cheated a minority shareholder out of proceeds. This was filed in Hampton Superior Court uh, in Massachusetts. Um Treehouse has opened a number of breweries. They have uh, gained a lot of money, let's put it that way. Um, the complaint says over 1 million customers visit the brewery's five locations annually. But they're saying that this person is arguing that the majority shareholders created two limited liability corporations designed to amass $13 million in real estate, including a million-dollar waterfront home in Sandwich that is next to the brewery there. Uh this person became a minority shareholder in the business in 2012, and he Granger said he and other Class B shareholders had no knowledge of the real estate estate's assets until years after the LLCs were established. Um, they uh, paid themselves an excessive amount of money, bought ultra-luxury vehicles for themselves and family members, Range Rover, a Tesla, Mercedes, and Audi Q8 valued at $110,000 alone. There is a lot to this story. Uh, we will get into this. Um, you know, as uh, things go on, uh, this is just, uh, you know, this is wild. It is absolutely wild. So we will see what happens uh, there. And then uh, Fulton Brewing, uh, Fairbout Mill, the esteemed American heritage brand renowned for its handcrafted made-in-USA wood, 
Wool and cotton throw blankets, bl- bed blankets, and accessories, annou- announcing the debut of a craft beer brewed in collaboration with Minneapolis-based Fulton Brewing. It commemorates the first anniversary of Spread the Warmth. It's a national philanthropic campaign launched by Fairbout uh, Mill in November of 2022 to donate a wool bed blanket for every one purchase to organizations serving youth experiencing homelessness in cities across the country. Spread the warmth. Winter warmer ale will have limited distribution throughout Minnesota. Beginning the week of December 4th, the four-pack of 16-ounce cans feature four classic and collectible Fairbout Mill blanket designs on the labels. It is... um, uh, has holiday comforts of citrus and cherry, uh, subtle malt presence with hints of ginger and juniper to create an iconic 7% ABV beverage that wraps you up like an ageless frontier wool blanket. A portion of the proceeds from every four-pack supports Spread the Warmth, locally benefiting YouthLink, which serves homeless youth ages 16 to 24 in Minneapolis. There'll be a launch party uh, that takes place in the Fulton Tap Room at 5 p.m. Thursday, December 7th with Fairbout Mill giveaways, live music, fresh crawlers to go. In addition, Fairbout Mill blankets and co-branded merchandise will be available for purchase. That is really cool. They've donated over 10,000 blankets nationwide, far exceeding their goal for year one. The campaign here to stay, becoming a permanent fixture for Fairbout Mill. That is really cool. Buy a beer, help donate a blanket to kids experiencing homelessness. That's pretty awesome. Now, when we come back after a short break for the next two segments, John Flatung and Matt Potensky from Coastal Brew Works join me from Alternate Ending Brewing. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. We are coming to you from Alternate Ending Brewery today. What a great place it is uh, here. We've been here a bunch of times. We've talked about it. We've actually had uh, the owners on the program a long time ago, but there's another reason why we're here today. Uh, and the boys are saving me a little bit of work since I was off most of this week. Actually helps out for this weekend show. John Flatung and Matt Potensky are here from Coastal Brew Works. They just released a collab with Alternate Ending, which we're going to talk about in just a second. But gentlemen, John, Matt, thanks for joining me here. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, Thanksgiving was, was excellent. It was filled with turkey and a little bit of beer and, and a little bit of a nap. Matt, how are you? Very good, very good. Can't complain. Had a nice day with some family and some good uh, beers. Had a barrel-aged beer and was passed out by 4.30 last night, so it was perfect. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. All right, so let's talk about this collab uh, with Alternate Ending. It's a black IPA. Matt, I'll turn to you first uh, as the brewer. Let's, uh, let's tell people what is in this black IPA. So uh, the story with this black IPA was uh, it's, a, it's a style that Alternate Ending hasn't done yet. Um, so I was actually talking with Scott and, and Brendan for a number of months, uh, def- definitely bugging them a little bit over it. But uh, they uh, kind of saw the light. You know, I, I said, you know, black IPA isn't a commercial style that sells particularly well in general. But I feel that because there's so few of them now, there's been a little bit of a resurgence with it. Um, and again, like I said, it's a style they haven't done. So, so Brendan and I uh, think about beer. We, we create recipes in a very similar way. We like to keep things very simple, very straightforward, very clean flavor. Um, and, you know, he and I just talked back and forth. And, I, I mean, we hammered this whole recipe out in about probably 10, 15 minutes. Oh, wow. You know, because we, we do. We think the same way. But it's, it's like a very West Coast-style IPA. Uh, it's got some Midnight Wheat in it. And it's got some Carafa 3, which is a dehusked black malt. So, you know, we went more for the dark color without a real ton of roast in it. Um, you know, and then we really wanted to knock home, I think, uh, Chinook, Simcoe, Cascade. So we, we have those West Coast-style hops, those traditional hops that you really get a nice, like, pine note. And the pine 
and that light roast kind of just work really well together. So I'm very, I'm very happy with the way it came out. And I said, when I, I had this the other night with Brendan out of the tank, and the second I put it up to my nose, I was instantly transported to this brewery um, in uh, Portland, Oregon, that I went to in 2005. You know, and it's just that, that same, that nose, that, that light roast, that pine, everything. It was just like one of the first... Uh, west coast you know uh black ipas that I actually had on the west coast so see that that's the great thing about beer and the great equalizer about it is that you can sip something from from anybody and it instantly creates a memory that transports you back somewhere you know where you've had it before or you know it just reminds you of a memory john when you're drinking this here what does it remind you of oh it, exactly the same thing i mean beers that i had 20 something years ago um when black ipas were a little bit more you know prevalent with the uh um you know the pininess and uh, excuse me, Cascadian dark ales, right? That was it was not a black IPA. It's Cascadian dark ale, Cascade and everything else. Uh, it's really hitting the the mark well on that. I like the the, the subtle roast. Roast is there, but it's really subdued and slayed back. Uh, but that pininess, that big like West Coast feel with a little bit more, you know, a little bit of that roast in the body. Um, uh, really, really tasty, and it just takes takes me back to, you know, takes me back, you know, to beers I was drinking twenty years ago. So would this be something? When the brewery opens is something that you would want to do as a style, you know, at some point, you know, not uh, maybe not something regular on tap, but something as a one-off. I, I've always loved black IPAs. In fact, when I first started drinking beer way back when I was at Rutgers in, the, in 2000, we went to this little uh, Irish pub, and I used to get pictures of Guinness and pictures of uh, Victory's Hop Devil, which is a Cascade Forward IPA. Right. And we would make what we called blackened devils instead of a blackened tan. Right. And you basically you're adding the, the the roast to the that kind of big hoppiness. So I like I was quote unquote drinking a black IPA before I knew what a black IPA even was. Cool. So it's always been a flavor combination that I particularly love. Um, and I know this one came together. It's it's about it's seven percent alcohol, about seventy IBUs. We didn't we didn't go really over the top with it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very uh, drinkable approachable black IPA that you know it's as quote unquote balanced as a black IPA is going to be even though black IPAs is is kind of in particular excessive beer in some ways you know but um, yeah I'm very very happy with it so and and working here with the guys at Altending you know Brendan and Steve uh, fantastic we had a very smooth brew day and you know it's just a pleasure it was an absolute pleasure through the whole process and you know i think the result uh shows awesome we're talking with john flatung and matt Potensky from coastal Brewworks. we're here at alternate ending brewing uh with the new release of this uh, black ipa that is out today and i'm i'm trying to what's the name of it again i forget it's, I kept, uh, beer from the black lagoon beer from the black lagoon there you go as, so all old endings uh beer are uh, tied movie into tied movies. into movies and everything else right. so so, um, John, that let me ask. Selling point. It was it was Black IPA for Black Friday and Creature from the Black Lagoon themed. You know, we just tried to tie everything together. So. All right. So, you guys also did another collab uh, with uh, Ashton Brewing a couple of weeks back, which I you, you had given me a can of, John, and I appreciate that. It was excellent. So, you did a Belgian. The world is your cloister, I believe, was the name of it, right? Um, how did that whole partnership come together between you guys and uh, and Steve? And Steve, well. Matt, Matt and I have been talking to Steve, Matt so more, much more so than I, uh, uh, for several months again as well. And uh, as, as any of you that are listening to this have heard or that might, may or may not know, uh, Matt is, uh, you know, Matt's middle name is Belgian, okay? <laughs> it's Matt Belgian Potensky, right? And uh, 
Steve is a very big Belgian guy, too. So, you know, doing a Belgian double with Steve Ashton was just a no-brainer. That was going to happen that way. Um, and they, they sat down, and the same thing. They sat down and, um, with Max. You guys sat down and came up with a recipe. Probably fairly almost, almost as quick as you came up with this one with Brandon. So, Yeah, so I've, I've known Steve for a long time. I've actually done some uh, beer judging and homebrew contests with him, you know, years ago and things like that. Um, I've always... Uh, respected you know his his ability i've learned a lot from him and he's you know he's a he's a hell of a beer judge he's a he's a good brewer i mean he knows what beer is supposed to taste like so he can design a beer well to taste like what it's supposed to taste like but um he loves belgian beer i love belgian beer we we said we, we of course we'll do a belgian and then we had kicked a couple different ideas uh back but what we finally settled on was a belgian double with uh raisins and uh currants in it so we're to use a terrible pun, we're doubling down on, you know, the, some of the dark fruit notes that that style, you know, is, yeah, yeah, you know, that that style traditionally has a good uh, amount of. So we're just kind of playing with that and turning those uh, notes up to 11 in a sense. So. Nice other movie reference there. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did, I noticed when I did drink that beer that the sweetness of the raisins was very pre- present there, but not over the top. It wasn't, you know, there was nothing there that, everything had a great balance to it. Kind of lifted the uh, fruit up. Now. Yes, exactly. Lifted that fruit up. Um, you guys have... The stuff co- is still fairly dry, though. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and that's... It finishes very dry. It finishes very dry, which keeps it very drinkable. So, I mean, that's the one thing we remarked is, is it... It did ferment a little bit higher than we expected it to, so it went a little drier than designed. But honestly, we were very happy with it because it's just so drinkable. Like, we, we were sitting at the brewery drinking them, and it's just like, man, i got to watch it with these things because it's like you're just, you're just knocking, them, it, you. knocking them back, you know, and it, it's so smooth. Um, but again, it's, it, you know, one of the things I love about Belgian beers is you want to have a gastronomic ale. You want to have a, a beer that's uh, very easily being able to have with food. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, even with the raisins and currants, I mean, that's, that is a beer that you could just crush and, and have with a, a, a big diversity of food. Right. You know, so it was, it was a nice time to release that was somewhat right before the Thanksgiving holiday because I think a lot of people could go home and have that even with turkey dinner or, or whatever they want. Yeah, these two beers, the timing of these two beers, both of these collabs with Ashton and of course here with Alternate Ending, it's, it's perfect. I mean, um, as Matt said, the gastronomic factor in the uh, Belgians, is any uh, that goes for any Belgian really, um, but the timing for that just before uh, Thanksgiving and you can't beat a black IPA on Black Friday. No. I mean, 100%. Uh, John Flatong and Matt Potensky from Coastal Brew Works joining me here at Alternate End in Brewing on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer. One brewery, but I'm going to... Last question before we take a break here. One brewery that you guys have not collaborated with, but that you want to. I'm, I'm, John, I'll start with you first. You, maybe the two of you have the same answer, but I'm going to start with John first. <laughs> It is going to be the same answer. See, I can see the look between. I can see the look between the two of them. Go ahead. I mean, I, I could rattle off a bunch. One brewery that we have not collaborated with. Uh, you give me guidelines, just in the state or any brewery anywhere. Any brewery anywhere. Any brewery anywhere. Oh, geez. Um, all right. Well, then we'll keep it to New Jersey first. All right. <laughs> I was going to say, take a little bit of while. Um, uh, we we've been talking. We've been talking with Augie uh, Carton at Carton Brewing for a while about putting something in the tank, and it's probably going to happen at some point. Um, probably sooner than later, but um, that's probably the one that we've been talking about doing the longest that we haven't done yet. Okay, so, fair enough. That. Matt, 
Yeah, I, I probably I would probably say that that Carton would be the first one on the list. I mean, there there's a number of breweries that we've we've been talking to, and we just haven't made any concrete plans with. Um, I mean, I would probably throw Cypress in the mix just because I have so much experience um, brew, brewing there and 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 working with Charlie and and Jay. And you know, it's at some point we of course we have to just do a beer together, but. Um, Maybe I'll make Charlie do a Belgian uh, t- just to be really sadistic about it. Because anyone who doesn't know, Charlie uh, uh, Charlie does not like Belgian beer. So that's that's part of why I originally started doing stuff with, with Cyprus was I did Belgian beer for them. But. Just, do, just, do, just do a high ABV barrel-aged Belgian stout. Yeah, yeah. That's all you got to do. Done. Then it's a Belgian and Charlie's happy. All right. All right. So let's take a quick break here when we come back. Uh, with John and Matt from Coastal Brew Works. We're going to talk a little bit more about the process of what's going on with their brewery, how the build-out is going, and what's going to happen, and the timeline of when it's going to open. We'll also ask some other general questions about the state of beer in New Jersey, around the country. We'll do all of that in just a moment on the Algatulo Craft Beercast, coming to you from Alternate Ending Beer Company right here on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beercast on AM 970. The answer, we're coming to you from Alternate Ending Beer Company. Uh, my guests, Coastal Brew Works, is John Flatung and Matt Patensky. Uh, we talked all about collabs, uh, the, the collab that they have here at Alternate Ending uh, that was released on Black Friday. We talked about Ashton's collab that they did. They've got some collabs coming up with some people. Won't give too much away, but uh, I think the next one is somewhere in North Jersey, and we'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, we'll leave it at that for now. I mean, you know, because we don't know when it's going to come out, but... We'll leave it at that. Um, but it has double in its name, sort of. We'll leave it. We'll leave it. We'll, we'll leave it. We'll leave it there. All right. Um, so uh, you guys are building out uh, a brewery uh, down in uh, South Jersey. I don't want to say Central because it's not really Central. I mean, they do this whole marketing thing of se- it's sort of yeah the shore area. That's probably the best way. Right. The northern shore area has yeah. that. So, what is the status? What is the status of the build out uh, right now, and what are we looking at as an approximate opening date? So, well, what what had happened was the uh, the building. We're we're still in the same area that we were um, going in. In it's in it's in Eatontown. Uh, it's in Monmouth County in Eatontown. Um, the building we were going in that we were just about ready to go in about a month ago, a month and a half ago. Um, was a, a little bit smaller, and then we were going to have the right of first refusal on, like, say, another 4,000 square feet in about two years, let's say. And that would have made it the size that we originally, initially wanted, or eventually wanted to be. Um, building came available, the next building over, same complex. So we were in building E, now it's in building D. Same end unit, but the whole entire uh big square footprint, square footage. But we had to wait an extra month or so to get in there. So um, it, it, may, it made no sense not to wait that extra month to have that whole entire space. So we're looking at getting in there. Within the next week or two, we'll be in the building. Um, and, uh, and things will just go from there. But we have a lot of stuff. I can't even say a lot of stuff. We have pretty much everything, you know, at the ready. You know, just buttons to be pushed, checks to be written, and things to get going. So it's not like we have to get in there and then figure everything out. It, everything's done. We just need to get in there and get it done. So we're, we're, we're hoping, let's just call it next summer. Okay. All right, let's call it next summer. Summer 2024. Right. Um, we should be, I mean, we're gunning for 4th of July weekend. If it can be sooner than that, that's great. Um, if, it, it, if it's a little later than that, it is what it is. But it's going to be summer next year either way. All right. So there you go. Uh, so next summer either way. So now that leads to my next question. How does the status of 
the beer bill that obviously Governor Murphy is not signing. He's conditionally vetoing and sending it back to the legislature. They have about five weeks to, you know, deal with his liquor license reform, which, you know, let's be fair. Uh, Nick Scutari, the uh, state senator uh, in Union County, has already said it's not something that we are looking to put on the agenda right now. We've got other more important things to do. We don't think that we can do what the governor wants within the time frame that he's looking at. So if that's the case... The beer bill dies and has to go back into this whole process all over again because it's a lame duck session. Does that affect your plans in any way of how you're building it out? Yeah, I mean, you know, the big thing is there's just a lot of uncertainty. You know, if uh, Murphy's going to extend the moratorium on the enforcement of the the ABC, you know, strictures, then that's great. But it's as someone who's trying to build out a tasting room, I don't know how many TVs we're allowed to have, you know, or, or allowed to put up or... You know, there's size restrictions. There's all this crap that you kind of have to deal with. That's that's a huge level of uncertainty. I would rather just be able to go in and design what I want to design. But now I have to kind of think of these extra things if, and again, if they are going to be things. So, like, you kind of have to err on the side of safety and say, okay, we're going to have to design things based on these rules or whatever. And then hopefully, you know, figure out a way that if they're pushed aside, as they should be, then we can actually go on and improve the space and, and you know, create a better space um, the way I would like to originally. You know, it's interesting because what Jason at Icarus is doing, he's not, I mean, he's worried about the rules, but he's also building out a building, you know, in Icarus that he doesn't have to worry about food and other stuff. He's going to have stores next door to him that, you know, he'll rent out to somebody. So let them deal with that, and I'll just deal with making the beer. So maybe in hindsight... That's a smart thing because depending on what, however the rules shake out, it's not something that he has to worry about. But I'm sure from a business standpoint, you know, like Matt said, building out the tap room, but also anticipating what you think is going to be. I mean, maybe in some way it's good that as you're building it, you'll know when you start building what changes you're going to have to make on the fly. But that uncertainty has to be a problem, right? It's, 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 definitely, uh, it's definitely an issue. Um, I, you know, it would be nice to have things resolved by the time we open. And to be quite honest with you, um, even if this bill does die and they have to revisit it, and they do revisit it, let's hypothetically say they do revisit it, and all things come together by the ABC calendar year, which is uh, July, uh, June was June, end of June, June thirtieth, you know, for next year starting July first, that won't affect us because we'll be opening around then. So. You know, we'll be we'll be all right with that. But that's a big if. You know, are they going to actually do it? Are they going to get their, you know, are they going to get their ducks in a row? Are they going to be able to make that happen? You know, everything passed unanimously through the legislature, through all both houses uh, this past year, or this past summer. Is that going to happen again? Uh, I hope it will. I don't see why it wouldn't. If it did once, why wouldn't it again? Uh, I don't think anybody's going to change their minds. There are a couple other players involved, but it's still the same basic principle. Um, but I don't think it's going to be. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful because really we're changing one person's mind. And it's not the way I look at it. And, you know, I've heard plenty of interviews that you've done with him and things you said you've been, you know, you've been on other shows. Uh, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll mention them. But we've been on other, uh, other shows with some other guys right. uh, and, uh, and talked about it. No. But um, uh, which we call it? it's not really changing the governor's mind because um, he seems to be of that mindset that that needs to happen, but he just wants to have that be a catalyst to make other things that he wants to see happen, happen. So I don't think he's saying, no, I don't want that to happen. So hopefully if nothing is going to come of that, 
he changes his mind to sign it, even if it does take until June. I hope for the rest of the breweries in the state, the ones that are open already, that it happens sooner than that so they don't have to deal with that. Or at least there's an extension on the moratorium, one or the other. Um, six or one, it doesn't the other. But I, I, either way, I'd like to see something get resolved within the next six months. I was going to say, and just to, just to comment directly on, on our build-out, um, I would be very we, – we don't really plan on doing anything with food. I mean, we want to focus on making good beer and, right. and having good space. I would love for it, it for us to have be able to have a food truck mm. in the parking lot or something, you know, as an option. Um, you know, if, if the rules do change or something like that, we, we plan on having an outdoor area. Maybe we have some kind of pizza oven or something. And, you know, the big thing is just I don't want to have inventory. Yeah. So it'd be one of those things where if, if it's a thing and the rules are, say, we might have, say, brick oven pizzas and... We have X amount of ingredients per day, and then you make it, and whenever it runs out, it runs out, or something like that. Because, again, I want to be a brewery first. I don't want to have to worry about a a ton of, you know, it's a whole different animal when you have to deal with food and things like that. But, you know, if there are options, we would would look into it or or at least, you know, pursue certain things. But, uh, but yeah. We really, we really have no interest in actually running a restaurant by right. any means. No, we really don't. I, I, you know, leaning more towards the, you know, coordinating with food trucks and stuff like that. If it becomes like Matt said to Matt's point, if it becomes a thing where breweries are allowed to do whatever, you know, as far as food goes, yeah, we can look into something like that. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I just want the ability to coordinate with food trucks and stuff like that. It, it really holds no bearing on keeping people there because our goal is to make good beer to keep people there. 100%. Not the John and Matt from Coastal Brew Works joins me here at Alternate Ending Beer Company where they have their uh, release today, Beer from the Black Lagoon. I'm squinting to see the thing. It's just showing my age here. On the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, the answer. I, and I do agree, real quick, because I don't want to run out of time here, but I do agree with the governor. If he signs the beer bill, I think the rest of the liquor stuff goes away because I think the legislature feels, hey, we've done what we've needed to do. The liquor license thing, I think is something else that that really should be separate from all of the other stuff because it is such an uphill battle to climb and we could do a whole show on that but i before i run out of time speaking of changes with hundred and exiting the distributing business in new jersey cape may returning to self-distro i know there was talk of maybe jumping into this sort of distro thing but you know is there still a thought of that is that sort of you know dead in the water now and as you guys move forward because you're doing your own self-distribution right now. Is that the model that you're going to continue doing? Yeah, we're actually going to be pursuing uh, uh, having a distribution license, so we will be a distributor at that point. Um, we're not looking to become the next 100 in by any means, uh, or even where Cape May was. Um, we just want to be able to um, help out, um, you know, take care of ourselves, uh, take care of a few of our, you know, sister or buddy breweries, if you will. And, um, and we have some other uh, things in the works where... Um, we can help some other in-state breweries out. Um, again, not reinventing the wheel, not even not even uh, um, going crazy with it. Just just from the get-go, um, making making some things happen on a smaller scale for distribution-wise. It's not going to be our main focus. The main focus is the brewery, um, but the distribution thing is going to help. It's going to help us uh, more so than you know uh, more so than anything else. But we'll be there for other breweries. But we are pursuing that. So, so the one interesting thing too is is just with with the uh, with hundred and leaving the business i mean i've talked to uh, you know a new jersey brewery from south jersey they now have to have three different separate distributors just to cover the state you know i mean it, it, it's kind of a crazy thing so you know i mean it's nice to be able to self-distribute and at least know that we we, we can cover the state and there's not going to be an in- interruption or 
or any logistical nightmares of having to deal with multiple distrib uh, distributors just to cover you know our own state. Yeah. We basically we want to be able to offer you know a variety of different options for people. It's not like we're going to come in and say, okay, if a brewery wants us to distribute them. Okay, you got to give us the whole state, or we're not doing it. Right. That's not the case. We'll work out what we'll, it's per case basis on every on everything. We want to be open and and um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> We want to be, uh, one oblige them. We want to be accommodated. Thank you. I had a lot of beer yesterday. I apologize. No, but, it's all right. Uh, it's all right. We want to be accommodated. We want to be accommodated. All right. Last question for me, Matt. You had said before uh, when we talked that you wanted to do, uh, when, the, when Coastal opens, you wanted to have four or five beers as your kind of staples that are going to be there. Um, would you or would you want to have something on cask, a la like what Carton has, where they have a cask? you know, sort of sitting at the ready and ready to go. Would that be an option you'd want to do? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, John and I have actually talked about that quite a bit. And, and you know, we're, we're probably going to have somewhere between 16 to 20 lines total. So we're going to have five or six core beers that will be available all 12 months of the year. Um, we'll have a couple lines of seasonals. We'll have a couple lines of completely, you know, wacky, screwing around beers. Uh, maybe a seltzer. But, but it's, again, it, it's... It's, I want to have options, and, and I personally love cast beer. I know John loves cast beer, so we've talked very seriously about having uh, you know, a, a hand-pulled cask as an option. And you know, that opens us up, um, because we're doing a 15-barrel and a 3.5-barrel, doing things on the smaller system, we really will have the ability to play around and be flexible and, and do some smaller batch things that we can do some, you know, just a, even a very traditional English mild or something, you know, it's very simplistic, very straightforward, um, not reinventing the wheel, but do it and, and put it in the hand pull and, you know, have it on a fairly low carb level or things like that. Um, so it's more traditional, you know what I mean? So Cool. All right. Um, my guests, i got to wrap it up here, but my guests have been John and Matt from Coastal Brew Works. Their new um, black IPA out today here. Their uh, collaboration with Alternate Ending uh, Beer from the Black Lagoon. Get down here. Get it. It is delicious. You will uh, not be disappointed. Um, but you know what? I, I can run over a little bit here. Next beer that's coming out of the blocks uh, for you guys, uh, is it one of your core beers? Is it something that you may be doing a collab with somebody else? Uh, I'll leave we, it with that. We, we, uh, we're actually looking at uh, brewing in January. Uh, for We're, two, we're probably going to do two IPAs in January for release in February. New, um, IPAs. new IPAs. So new recipes. Uh, I'd have something to, you know, be a little more unique, but um, I'm not going to talk about what what it's going to be or what the hops are going to be in it just yet. But uh, yeah, look for that in, in February. It's going to be a new IPA and then a new fruited IPA. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Me, I'm still thinking about the English mild and a cast that Matt was just referring to. So just me <laughs> as soon as he said it, I was like, oh, please open soon because that's what I want. All right. Boys, thanks for having me here today. Uh, thanks for uh, doing this. Really appreciate it. The beer is fantastic. Uh, get it, you will uh, not be disappointed. So, gentlemen, thank you. I appreciate it. You have it in cans to take home. So. There you go. And the label is beautiful. It is. It is really yeah. nice. Again, it's Creature from the Black Lagoon themed. It's Beer from the Black Lagoon. And uh, it's just it's just a cool label. We, I was totally, totally stoked. The, the glow that Matt has right now is not from the beer. It's the fact that he is so proud of He's very proud. how good that He's beer came out. And, and yeah, and it, but it's everything about it, too. It's a complete collaboration, a collaboration on a label even, too. It's an amazing label. Even the Ashton collab, the, uh, the um, Belgian double, the world's your cloister, um, that was a collab. And the label, too, went back and forth. What Steve's wife does all of his labels. Right. She's a graphic designer. Going back and forth with Matt had the idea of stained glass in the 
uh, uh, logo. I was uh, talking to them about putting specific colors, um, and uh, Don actually put, uh, if, if you look at the goblet in the stained glass on the, on the uh, label, it's actually the Belgian flag. If you look you at it like yeah. that, so and and our logo, our wave logo, was incorporated in the stained glass there. So Easter eggs, you know, you got to put the Easter eggs in there. Of course, of course. <laughs> All right. When we come back after a short break, gentlemen, thanks for joining me. When we come back after a short break, it's time for suds and duds, the sort of Thanksgiving edition. It's probably going to be a one-note Thanksgiving edition, eh, maybe not. We'll see. Coming up next on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy, the answer. Final segment of the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer of looks could kill from Hart back in 1985. Let me tell you something. If you haven't seen, real quick, if you haven't seen Hart, do yourself a favor. Ann and Nancy Wilson are supposed to be getting back together and doing something. Uh, they were supposed to, I guess they were supposed to do something this year for their 50th anniversary. They didn't, but it's next year or whatever. I don't know the whole story. But um, they are supposed to be touring next year together again. They're writing some songs and it looks like they're going to do something. I hope so, because if you have not seen uh, these ladies in action, you absolutely need to see Heart in concert. Nancy Wilson has one of, in my opinion, one of the greatest voices of rock ever. I mean, she's just, she's amazing. She's amazing. She does a killer version. Um, oh, it's not Nancy. It's Ann Wilson. I'm sorry. It's Ann. Anne as well. I always get Anne and Nancy mixed up. Um, Anne has the most unbelievable voice. She does a version of Stairway to Heaven that will bring tears to your eyes. And I will leave it at that. So there you go. I'm sorry. I always get the sisters mixed up. Anne, dark hair, Nancy, blonde. That's how I got to differentiate. Anyway, let's dive into Suds and Duds. We don't have a lot of time here. By the way, my thanks to the folks at BrewDog and... um, Dogfish Head for sending over some beers. Brew Dog sent me the 12 non-alcoholic beers of Christmas uh, in a 12-pack and a case of their Christmas beers for the entire month of December. Boy, do I have a lot of uh, research to do. And then, of course, Dogfish Head sends me their Pennsylvania tuxedo, a can of that, plus their spirit that they have, which is Juniper uh, Dogfish Head and Juniper Ridge, which clocks in at 32 and a half. Uh, ABV, and a cologne, Walk with Wilderness Cologne. Very cool. Thank you so much for those. We will review them as the weeks go on. Let's dive in. Chiseled by the Gods by Bolero Snort. Clean, crisp, banging lager. Had that over a Paragon Tapping Table. Fantastic. By the way, this weekend I was at the Tap House 15 uh, anniversary party, the 8th anniversary party. We will review that sometime in the coming weeks. Oh, my goodness gracious, what a lineup. Troon, North Park, a lot of cool stuff. We'll get into that. In a couple of weeks. Uh, next up at Paragon from Foam Brewers, which they've been getting a lot of. She doesn't need you. Quite tasty. Loving this brewery a lot. I've not had a bad beer from them yet. Uh, absolutely uh, delicious. Uh, and then I followed up with, uh, what was the one that I didn't check in? Oh, Valhalla um, by Triple Crossing. Uh, this is a great beer. Ridiculously smooth for an over 8% IBA. Dangerous, juicy, uh, all of the right notes that you wanted them. Fantastic. 
Uh, Trogue sent me a can of their a couple cans of their Double Blizzard IPA. Uh, this is a seasonal brew that comes out once a year. Loving this big pineapple citrus notes. Fantastic beer. Uh, was great. Autodidact uh, in Randolph. If you haven't been to these guys off of Route 10, you absolutely should look them up. I've had a bunch of cans from them, a bunch of stuff on draft. Uh, have to get up there at some point uh, in the next month or so. Killing it with their beers. Dank Hazy Tropical on this one. Uh, Thunder Road is the name of the beer. A la Bruce Springsteen. Fantastic beer. Another brewery that I talk about a lot when I can get them, and I was so happy that Paragon had this, uh, Blended with Lumber Number 1 by Timber Rails. Oh, my goodness. Got a 12-ounce bottle of this. Big hit of bourbon and vanilla. Fracking ridiculous. I, I poured I was going to share this, but then I decided it was, it was late on a Friday. I don't remember if it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I think it was the Wednesday, day before Thanksgiving. I cracked this bottle. I poured it in a glass. I let it sit for a little bit and then started sipping it slow. It took me probably 90 minutes to finish this beer, which is what you want. You want it to warm up and get those flavors. Timber Ales makes unbelievable stouts. Unbelievable. If you get the opportunity to get one, get it. You will not be disappointed. If you like big, boozy stouts that you can drink or share it with somebody and drink it over an hour, I encourage you, Timber Ales knocks it out of the park every single time. Every single time. Uh, the good folks from Sam Adams have sent me a variety of beers over the last several months. A couple I got to from the summer that I didn't get a chance to get to. That I finally uh, drank. And then they gave me, sent me a four-pack, in addition to a bottle of Utopias, they sent me a four-pack of their sort of classic beers, beers that were out in the 90s and stuff. So I reviewed a whole bunch of them on Thanksgiving. First up, Porch Rocker that they sent me over the summer. Uh, it had a big head on it, but it was like an adult lemon-lime soda. I'm not a big fan of Rattlers, but this wasn't bad. This is something I would absolutely have on a hot, warm day. When you want something a little refreshing, you just finish some yard work and you want to just have a beer, that's the beer to have, Porch Rocker. Good stuff. Uh, the Take a Day IPA, which was the other summer beer that they sent me, bitter, faint hint of orange. Uh, I really didn't get any tropical notes on this one, and it tasted more like a West Coast IPA. I don't know if that's what they were going for. I don't know if they were going juicy. I think they it's. I think they were looking to do a New England style. Um, this didn't work for me. I don't know. I just wasn't. Wasn't thrilled with it. Uh, then I dived into the other ones. Irish Red, Malt Forward, Caramel, just like I remember it. Uh, pretty good. Uh, again, one of those beers where, uh, you know, when you had it back in the day, you were like, oh, wow, okay. Um, then the Scotch Ale. Medium smoky hit, smooth on the finish. Um, definitely one that I remember that I knew I didn't like back then, but probably like it a little bit more now. The Noble Pills was probably the best of the four-pack. Cloudy, I was expecting more of a clear beer since it's a Pills. Uh, crisp, I would absolutely drink this one again. If they put this in regular rotation, I would drink it all the time. If it was available at a bar, that's definitely something that I would I would consider. And then I had the Honey Porter. But there, for me, for the Honey Porter, there was an artificial taste to it. I was not getting a ton of honey in the nose. I was sort of disappointed in this one. That's the one that I was sort of expecting to be the best one out of the group and and really was looking forward to it. And didn't care for it. Just not not that good. Uh, and again, felt artificial. The Noble Pills by far was the best out of the four-pack. Although the Scotch Ale, I enjoyed a little bit more because I'm liking smoked beers more. Um, you know, when I get them, there's, you know, there's an attitude you have to go into it with. Maybe back then, you know, 20-something plus years ago, I wasn't in that right frame of mind. I wanted beer-flavored beer. Does that make sense? Uh, 
Maybe it does. As we continue here on Suds and Duds, so an alternate ending on Black Friday, I did have the beer from the Black Lagoon. Of course I did. I had a couple of them. Uh, this collab between alternate ending and Coastal Brew Works. You got to get to alternate ending and drink this. Fantastic black IPA, roasty, nice hop, wonderful. They have four packs to go. It's a delicious beer. I encourage you to go. The food is spot on. Get the pizza. It's done by Tallulah's. You will not be disappointed on that one. It is tremendous. Uh, and then uh, a, a beautiful friendship. Uh, this is uh, 18 months barrel aged in 13 year Seagram's whiskey barrels. Uh, this was interesting. Phenomenal beer. Boozy yet smooth. Super smooth. Dangerous if I drink it too fast, which I did not. Uh, I really drank that over an hour because it was so high in ABV. And uh, it's a collaboration between Alternate Ending and Esker Hart's Ales. Um, outstanding beer. I mean, just an outstanding beer. It's still on tap. Go get it. You will not be disappointed. And finally, we headed over to Carton. I did not have an epitome, which is the beer that comes out on Black Friday from Carton, but I did have a Slow Pour Whip, uh, which is a fantastic, fantastic lager uh, by Carton. And do yourself a favor. Get the Slow Pour. You will not be disappointed. Augie got a little annoyed with me because I didn't get the epitome. But listen, it's okay. I'm all right. They got, it at, they got it at Paragon. I'll have it at some point. Don't worry about it. I love Augie. But I just wasn't in the mood for a 10% beer at that point. Listen, my thanks to everyone involved in the show, including my guests, John Flatung and Matt Potensky from Coastal Brew Works, and, of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Back on the Joe Piscopo Show Monday at 6 a.m., this has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, cheers, everybody. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.